This episode of the Earmark Podcast is brought to you by BotKeeper. BotKeeper works with QuickBooks and Zero, the most popular online GLs. Free yourself from tweaking rules and accessing your clients' financial accounts. BotKeeper automates it all and learns as it goes. That's what we're missing here, is that we have enough people interested in studying accounting. They're just not as interested in becoming CPAs or the traditional career path. And it's well, not hard. Yeah. And if you look at our study, 3,100 people, it included some people who were CPAs, some people who were not going to be CPAs, some people who were never going to pursue the CPA. But if all the respondents of all 3,100, only 27% of them said they saw themselves having a career in public accounting, and they are tying the CPA with a career in public accounting. I don't believe that to be the case. I believe a CPA can be and it's, it's just as important to be a CPA in public county as if you're in the corporate sector. You're listening to a bonus episode of the Earmark Podcast. Before we continue, you should know that this episode is not eligible for CPE credit. However, I hope you'll continue listening because it's an important topic to all accountants, the future of our profession. To earn free continuing professional education credit for other Earmark podcast episodes and episodes from many other accounting and tax podcasts, go to earmarkcpe.com and sign up today. It's free to join and free to earn CPE. That's earmarkcpe.com. With over 100 courses to choose from, it's never been more fun and convenient to earn CPE. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a special episode of the Earmark podcast. I'm your host, Blake Oliver, CPA, and I'm joined today by Todd Shapiro, CEO of the Illinois CPA Society. Todd, thanks for being with me. Thanks very much for having me. So you were on a recent episode of Simply Tax, which I have been listening to a lot now because it is available for CPE on the Earmark CPE mobile app. The recent episode, which is up there, you can go get credit for it right now is an interview with you about the state of the CPA. And I have been very passionate about this for a while as a non-traditional CPA who didn't go to school for accounting originally. I'm very passionate about helping others come into the profession. I have a lot of questions about the state of the CPA because from where I sit as a podcaster, looking at all these numbers, if the CPA profession was a dashboard, we got a lot of numbers going the wrong direction. That's a, that's a, that's an accurate statement. Yes, and, and you and the Illinois CPA Society have been out there talking about this. You did a report. Was it last year? Year before? About the the numbers and the trending. You know what is the cause of this? You've been looking into it. So I'm curious if you could summarize briefly for us you know, what are your feelings on the state of the CPA license, and where where are we? Where are we at? Lay the Set the stage yeah. for us. Well, you know, and I'll, and I'll take a, a, a small step back before we go forward. One of the things we focus on a lot here is the future of the profession, but also the pipeline. The AICPA issues a trends report, the last one they put out. It showed a couple interesting trends, a couple very disturbing trends. And one of the things that we look at as a leading indicator is first-time exam takers. Because if you want to know whether we're going to have a pipeline issue, look at first-time exam takers, and that'll tell you whether you have an issue. And two things happened. We saw a relatively somewhat, not dramatic, but a, a small increase in number of accounting majors from like 2012 to 2018. But what we saw was a flat number, not decline, 
It was a flat number of CPAs, first time CPA candidates. Bottom line is a fewer percent, a lower percentage of accounting graduates were sitting for the exam, but it wasn't declining. So what happened though, that really got our, our attention was in 2016, they made a major change to the exam. They added a lot more analysis. And anytime they change the exam, you have a huge influx of students take it before the change. No one wants to be a part of that first group. And then we have in the year afterwards, it troughs out, falls to below, no, below pre-change levels. It's very common then that it comes back up to a normalized number. So if you look at the last decade, we had around 42,000 new CPA exam candidates. That number jumped up significantly in 2016. It fell in 2017. 2018, it fell to like 36,000. So it fell further in 2018. Now that's no longer the trough from the new exam. That isn't pandemic. So that really got our attention. And in fact, if you look at 2019 numbers, which are going to be out very short, they, they stayed at the same exact level. Holding steady isn't enough because we're not keeping up with economic growth if we hold steady. Exactly. So Ooh, we're in fact, the last NASP report I saw, I think it covered the 2017 or uh, 2018, whatever the number was, less than 50% of accounting graduates are sitting for the year. That's a hard piece of data, okay? By the way, if you really want to be a data geek, you go back and look, has this ever happened before? And in fact, if you look at the 90s, through the 90s, guess what? There was a tech boom going on. For lack of a better word, being a CPA wasn't sexy. The economy was growing. And guess what we saw in the 90s? A slow, steady increase of first-time exam candidates that turned around in 2001, 2002. What happened in 2001, 2002? Tech boom went bust, and Sarbanes-Oxley was passed. Those are the two events that happened. And then that drove a steady increase of first-time exam candidates to the first decade of this millennium. So we saw these, these two trends occur. We also have heard anecdotally, and I will tell you, I did last year I did 50 firm outreach. I met with 50 managing partners. And until we put the report out, I guarantee when I would go out and talk to people, they would tell you that the number one reason, the number one reason practitioners tell you for the decline in the number of people taking exam is 150 hours. No question. In fact, it's unequivocal. So we decided that we had to actually talk to people. So we, we surveyed 30, about 3,100 students and young professionals and said, what were the barriers and why aren't you taking the exam? But 150 hours didn't make the top four reasons. The reasons were employers aren't requiring it. I don't want to do the work. I don't have time to study. I don't have time. It was time. That was, was the number the, one reason. The, the number one reason was time. You know, I, I tell people that the, I think the bigger change the exam wasn't 150 hours. It was computerized exam. It used to be back in the day, you know, you took the exam in May or you took it in November. That was it. Firms would give you time because those are the only two times you could take the exam. Exams now offer almost 363 days of the year now. Right, right. So, so really, when you study now, you study on OT. That's not overtime. That's your own time. And that makes it much harder. So I'm with you there. I actually have changed my mind about this. I used to think that the 150 hours was the cause of the decline of our profession. But then I saw your data from the students, not anecdotal from the partners, that said it's actually not that. What it is when it comes to CPA exam, folks, it's they, they are working in firms and they don't have time. And why don't they have time? Well, it's pretty easy if you go on social media to find out why they don't have time. In busy season, which never seems to end these days, they're 
supposed to be billable for 55 hours. And in reality, they're working 55 to 65 or more. Exactly. So, so to me, I mean, this, this goes to, this is bigger than just the CPA exam thing, because I think we're looking at the whole pipeline wrong. Because we look at the pipeline at the beginning of the pipeline. And this is where the ICPA seems to be really focused. This is where most of the state societies seem to be focused is, okay, we, we don't have enough accountants. We don't have enough CPAs. So we're going to go out to the high schools. We're going to go out to colleges and we're going to convince people that accounting is this great profession and you should do accounting instead of going into these other fields that are pulling you away. And we need to get more of them taking the exam. So we're going to make the exam more relevant to what they need to know, which sounds great and everything. But then you look at the profession now and we're bleeding CPAs and accountants. There was just a story yesterday in Bloomberg about this. Accountant shortage resignations fuel financial reporting risks. So many people are leaving the profession every day. And our solution is try to fill the pipeline at the top or at the bottom. I don't know. However you look at it. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I, you know, first no, of I all. Just, yeah. Yeah, you're right. So here's the, here's I would tell you a data point that I think is a really critical data point. And look at the number of accounting majors sitting for the exam. I'll tell you, you do look at what the what was what we're talking about in the last decade, and you saw an increased number of accounting majors, but you saw a flat number of flat number of first time exam takers. Which was there's your message right there. People were getting the degree, but and, and in fact, you know, then in 2000, I think it was I can't remember what was done. Bloomberg uh, did a study. And of the top 1,000, of the largest 1,000 companies, only 36% of CFO are CPAs. Yeah. And, and when asked why, it was because they said, well, what I need is I need a strategic partner. I think it's important if we, now I do see, we are seeing a decline. We are beginning to see a decline in accounting majors. So I do think there may be a need to go out to high schools and encourage this. But let's be honest, during the middle, during the last decade, we did not see a decline of accounting majors. We saw it's decline right. of people sitting for the exam. Right. So that that's what we're missing here is that we have enough people interested in studying accounting. They're just not as interested in becoming CPAs or the traditional career path. And it's well, not hard. Yeah. And if you look at our study, 3,100 people, it included some people who were CPAs, some people who were not going to be CPAs, some people who were never going to pursue the CPA. But if all the respondents of all 3,100 only 27% of them said they saw themselves having a career in public accounting, and they are tying the CPA with a career in public accounting. I don't believe that to be the case. I believe a CPA can be in, it's, it's just as important to be a CPA in public accounting as if you're in the corporate sector. And if you're in the corporate sector, you know, we actually just launched something called our strategy camp because mm-hmm. we believe that, that if you want to make this attractive, Make the CPA a decision maker and make them involved in, in growing a business and helping mainstream business. And because right. you're right, I, I think the three words that came up most in our study associated with CPA were audit, tax, and accounting. And that's not what helping business not Yeah, that's exactly. what traditionally you learn. And that's what the accounting programs are designed to pump out. So well, if you go to designed a- to pump that out though, because in large part, if you really look, what's what's tested? Tax and gap. <laughs> yeah. Know, like- like so, and it's designed. They, these programs are funded by large accounting firms, and they are designed to produce staff accountants for large accounting firms. That's what they're for. And the professors at these schools are bit former Big Four. It's a factory. Let's make more accountants for the big firms to become auditors and tax 
staff. But what and, you see is you see now with other opportunities like data analytics. Would I really be a data analyst or would I really be a CPA who's actually who is actually using the advice, using the data to actually help small businesses grow? I'd rather be the person yeah. on the back end. But we've got to connect more of that piece of it. Right. And, and still and that, to your point, I don't think we're doing it. Here comes another excellent candidate for Botkeeper. Have you come to learn your fate? Yes, Bathawise. I want to know the future. Ah, yes, the future. There is so much to know. Don't you need a crystal ball or something? Crystal balls are for amateurs, just to impress the tourists. Okay. What do you want to know of the future? I want to know what kind of shape my accounting firm will be in in a few years. Yes, I can see it. Your staff, they are endlessly entering data into your online GL, struggling to connect to your client's financial accounts, spending all their time doing low-value bookkeeping. That sounds a lot like the present. This is what will come to pass, unless... Yes? Yes? Unless you embrace the future of bookkeeping. And what is the future of bookkeeping? The future of bookkeeping is Botkeeper. Botkeeper automates your bookkeeping. It will brighten your accountant's future and release them from the drudgery of data entry, reconciliation, and verification. And now, if you schedule a meeting on or before March 31st, 2022, you could win a year of Botkeeper bookkeeping automation free. Just visit botkeeper.com win for details and rules. A free year of Botkeeper? That sounds amazing, but I already use an online GL. Botkeeper works with QuickBooks and Xero, the most popular online GLs. Stop struggling. Botkeeper automates it all and learns as it goes. Sounds like it might take a long time to get up and running. Not at all. Botkeeper helps you get set up. Most clients are onboarded in as little as a month and see the savings the very next quarter. Now that sounds like a future I want. How do I get started? Simple. Just visit botkeeper.com win. I'll do it. Thanks, bot. Wait, I'm getting one more thing from the spirits. What is it? Yeah, you owe me 50 bucks. So like you add that into the CPA exam a little bit, and I have my doubts about just how much is actually changing because when I look at the curriculum, I don't see big, massive changes. Yeah, sure, we're adding in a sprinkle of technology, but this is not revolutionary. So we're trying to attract these people in by changing the curriculum a little bit to offer this tech and this data analytics, but the career path is still very traditional, which is you know go work in the big four, work 55, 65, maybe even 75 if you're really unlucky hours a week during busy season, which nobody wants to do anymore. And nobody's talking about that. If I put myself in the shoes of a student, CPA used to be more appealing because it offered me this very obvious, steady career trajectory. If I do X, I get Y. But like with the data analytics stuff, there it's not like we've matched up that new curriculum with a specific job that I can go get. Yeah. But to my point is like, this hours thing, the job is not good. It's not a good well, job. Which, I mean, so did, I would tell you, my job before I came to Illinois Security Society, I'm, I'm not a CPA. I'm a finance person. I was yeah. a director of finance for uh, Quaker Oats and for uh, Helene Curtis and for Unilever. I, I am an analyst at my heart. So I, I look at the 90s and go, why, did the, why were we able to grow with, during the traditional work during the first decade of this millennium? And, and the numbers grew... The number of first-time exam takers grew dramatically during the first part of this one. And like you said, a lot of it was because of uh, SOX, right? What SOX did, and again, what were your alternatives? Tech boom had busted. Yeah. Data analytics wasn't what it is today. Right. So you could, you, so, and the big, and, and the large accounting firms were paying 
significantly higher salaries. So it was driven by a significant increase in salaries. Now, what happened yeah. when the last decade occurred is stocks began to wane out because they had all the they you know they were automating the testing. The use of AI was coming into play more. Offshore is coming to play more. And salaries got stagnant. And, and in fact, now you hear on a regular basis, where people say, well, I can get a job in marketing or in finance and I get paid more than, if, than I would if I went to an accounting firm. So salaries went stagnant, which is true. But just getting salaries up to, if you're just, if you get your salary up to, well, if I get a job as a financial analyst, I can get paid this. And now maybe <laughs> yeah. I can get the same if I go to work. So I do think yeah. you have an issue there. So yeah, and you, you, I, have, you have KPMG patting themselves on the back for giving people like an inflation cost of living raise, pretty much. Todd, when I left public accounting, I left it for a 67% raise. Yes. Like it's, oh, if we bump accounting salaries 10%, that's not going to make a, a meaningful difference. I can still go oh, out yeah. and make way more money doing something else. The, the, and, and I, I think don't, it I don't also actually, gets to what you said. I think it even gets to what you said more so. And I think this is one of the things that we, we, we again, we, we try to do a, a special report every year. Uh, and we did a special report about, about are we really getting this connection that, the people that the world has changed. I don't necessarily want to work 65, 70 hours a week yeah. tax on it. And in fact, what we see is people, they don't leave the big four to go to a smaller firm. They just leave the big four all together. They leave right. accounting all together. Right. Or they leave the, the public accounting side, I should say, all together. And I think to your point, it, even if we get salaries, even with that finance major, that, that marketing major, and let's forget about the marketing major, because again, less than 50% of accounting graduates are sitting for the exam. So it's not just the marketing major, because these people are accounting grad, a graduate degree in accounting, they don't sit the exam. And what's going on there? And I do think it's to your point. There are other opportunities where I get paid the same and I don't have to I don't have to to do the big four thing. I get flexible hours. I get actual PTO I can use. I don't have to work more than 40 hours a week. This is kind of basic stuff. As a profession, we are all about quantifying things, but for some reason we have such a hard time looking at the bare numbers, the reality of what the job is, like it's not appealing to people well, anymore. I, you know, and I, the, you know one, so one of the things that we've talked about a lot, we have to change what's expected out of CPA. So for instance, we just launched something called our Strategy Academy because we believe, and I know the ICP is, is starting to talk about this, that for CPAs really to be relevant going forward, being a strategic thinker, now, how do you incorporate that into tax and audit? Well, actually, our strategy can we incorporate into it. From yeah, mid-sized firm, we start talking about how to make... I'm sorry to cut you off. We only have a few it, more minutes, and I yeah, just want to get okay. to this. It's like, I'm a student. I don't care, Todd, about being a strategic thinker if you're still going to make me work 65 hours a week. Well, that's true. That's exactly... I, 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 can, I care this. less about that, right? I want a well, good job so, that gives well, me I, good so pay for good hours. I will tell you this. I think there's an hour side of it, but even beyond the hour side of it, if you look at young people getting out of school, they what they want in many cases, I'll tell you, and I don't think this is anecdotal. By the way, I had one discussion with a, with a partner about our pipeline study. He said, I don't care what your study said. I know it's 150 hours. I was like, but the people well, told us so this. Now, to the 150 hours, I do think that does have an impact because it prevents people who are non-traditional candidates from coming into the profession. It was Agree. a It was a huge barrier for me, and I almost didn't complete my CPA because when I applied, I had the uh, state board come back and tell me, "Oh, you need to go get three more credits." So you you are correct at one hundred percent that it that it actually does. It is a barrier to non traditional candidates. It's a barrier to diverse candidates. Yeah, and we and, and and that's where making the change that we did along with forty other states to be able to sit for the exam at one hundred twenty, 
and you can get the you get the additional thirty hours. That's where it helps. But I will tell you, I do the believe. So I have a I have a son um, who works in a large Fortune fifty company, right? And he came out of the big four. He's at this large he's at this large Fortune fifty company. He's a director of finance. He's, he's a director in the finance department over in strategy, right? He's working sixty five hours a week. He's not afraid of hard work. He's got some flexibility because it's a different environment. But he's working. But you know what he's doing? He feels like he's making a difference. So I do think there's something to be said that if you can make the job more meaningful and yeah. that you are making a difference in the world, if you can position it that you can make the world a better place. Yeah. And that's not ticking in time necessarily. That's where when we do our strategy academy, it's like, how can you for a mid-sized firm, how can you make the audit more than just Yes, it's an opinion. How you can make the audit where it's valued to oh, somebody well, beyond that. Todd, I would love to have you come back and talk about how to make audits more valuable <laughs> because, you know, it, Gap hasn't changed meaningfully in 100 years. We can talk all we want about revenue recognition methods and lease accounting, but nobody outside of accounting gives a crap about any of that. It's meaningless to most investors. It's just us deciding. Most businesses are not wildly successful. Because they had a good, clean audit. Right. Or even because they had they saved some money in their taxes. Most businesses yeah. are focused on two things, growing revenues and growing profitability. So my opinion is, you know, let's just be honest about what the job is. Audit is not a sexy job. It's the le least sexy job in the entire uh, profession. But that's okay. That's fine because we need people to do it. But if we're going to get people to do that, we got to give them a good job. Right. Well, and I'll, and again, how can you make it more than that? So, so I'll give you an example. When we when we talk to a mid-sized firm, we say there's nothing in this part of an audit. There's nothing to prevent you from giving ideas about how their business where they should look for improving profitability more than just checking a box by going, oh, you have a clean audit. There's nothing that stops us from doing more. Well, no, there is though. It's because we we have to put that down on our timesheets, and it reduces our utilization when we spend extra hours on something that's not required as part of the audit. That's true, but but then you're more valuable to your client. Right, but we don't look at it that way. As a profession, we just look at our timesheets. And and I think we're in the same place. This problem is only going to accentuate with the, with the continued advent and expansion of AI and RPA. It's just going to get worse. So the question is going to be, if we want to remain relevant, we've got to think about the world, not just in getting an audit done or tax return, but how we can focus on helping businesses be successful. By the way, I also think that will make us more attractive to candidates. So there's, I, no I, one, there's no one easy answer. For that. No, there isn't. But, you know, the analogy I like to use is that um, when we talk about the pipeline, let's remember that we've also got a retention issue. We have a bucket of water and there's a big hole at the bottom and we're losing the water. And it seems to me like the, uh, the answer we hear is let's put more water in the bucket. We're losing accountants and CPAs all the time, right? Right. And we can and be. I also, and I also think I also think we're now getting confused because, and we're just going to start talking about this more. We're also now thinking, well, the way we solve that problem is just let work. We'll let everyone work remotely because then they'll stay. Oh no, but that's but, worse because they have less loyalty when they work remotely. So you ask people to work sixty-five hours, and then they're not in the office. There's no pizza party to keep them excited anymore. So, there's challenges. Though. You know, yes, there's uh, challenges. So anyway, I, I've kept you longer than we had budgeted for. So <laughs> I am I am over on the time budget for this project. I will eat the hours, Todd. And, okay. And you won't suffer utilization metrics. So. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. It's really been a pleasure, and I hope to speak with you again soon. All right. Thanks, Blake. It's been great talking with you. Take care.